Welcome to the Fireside Giants podcast by Empire Sports Media. How's it going, Giants fans? Welcome back to Fireside Giants with your boys Alex and Anthony. Today we're discussing the secondary getting a few big time pieces back for this wild card matchup at 4:30 this upcoming Sunday. Obviously, a huge game for the Giants, a huge game for the fans. We are absolutely hyped. I am so freaking excited. The fact that we're in the postseason at all, blowing out expectations, um, you know, out kicking our coverage. This is a situation where the Giants. We're playing with house money. Some would say we don't belong here. I say we're right where we need to be because we, the Giants are a playoff freaking team, man. We belong in the playoffs. We belong on the biggest stage, and we belong kicking the shit out of everybody else, and I'm really excited to see what this team can do with no record. No one's better than anybody else. It's really just whoever wants it more a lot of times, and it comes down to coaching and execution and discipline. Um, and the Giants obviously going into this situation very healthy because we rested everybody in Week 18. We're getting back some big pieces. We want to talk about Xavier McKinney. We want to talk about Adoree Jackson. We have these two guys, whereas we didn't have them against Minnesota a couple of weeks ago, and just kind of the impact that they're going to make moving forward and, and what it means to get a guy like Adore Jackson back. I know he's not 100% guaranteed to play just yet, but they're trying to get him some practice um, this week so that he's prepared for Sunday. I think that he's going to give it a go because we need him. You know, we cannot afford um, to kind of roll with Fabian Moreau against Justin Jefferson. It's a losing battle. Do I like Fabian Moreau? And has he done a good job as a supplementary piece? Absolutely. I think that uh, for the most part, he's definitely played above expectations and filled a pretty big role for us. But I do not trust him against Justin Jefferson. I imagine most of you guys don't as well. So I want to discuss, you know, the return of Adore Jackson, what that means against one of the best receivers in football, and kind of how the secondary can help mitigate um, the, the, just the absolute powerhouse nature of their star players. But Anthony, before we dive into it, how do you do tonight, my friend? I mean, I'm doing great. It's playoff week. The Giants are playing a football game at the end of this week. I couldn't be more excited. First time in six years. Alex, do you know the last time that the New York Giants won a playoff game? Do you know how long it's been? Uh, I mean, it's got to be back in two, maybe 13 years ago. Super Bowl 46. Yeah. 2012. Could you imagine? Like, can you believe that? That's how long it's been since the Giants have won a Super Bowl. That's half my life. <laughs> I'm 21. That is half my life. That is over a decade. That's unreal. But... I think that can change this weekend. I think that the Giants have a real good shot at winning this game against the Vikings. And I think when you watch how they played against the Vikings in Week 16, Christmas Eve, they lost by a 61-yard field goal as time expired. That's not likely to happen again. That's rare. That rarely ever happens in the NFL. And the Giants really just got unlucky. But if you watch the way that they played in that game, they were one to two to three key plays away from winning. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that they were short a few men. They had some injuries. They were missing some players from the lineup. Adoree Jackson was absent. Xavier McKinney was absent. A couple big runs, a couple big throws. Those plays don't happen with Adoree Jackson playing tighter coverage and Xavier McKinney being the ball hawk on the back end that he is. So you put those guys back in the lineup. We already know Xavier McKinney is going to be back. He played uh, not this past week, but the week before, of course. Giants rested their starters. But in week 17, he went out there. He played. He nearly got an interception as well. I think that if he didn't have the club on his hand, he might have grabbed it against the Colts. But McKinney, we know what an impact he can make. And now we're all going to realize how big of an impact Adoree Jackson can make because him not being in the lineup has forced Wink Martindale to completely change his defensive scheme and has left the Giants vulnerable against top-end receiving talent like Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson went for over 100 yards. He was great. Uh, Michael Pittman also had a really great game for the Colts. They're missing that CB1, the Giants are. And when you look at how Justin Jefferson kind of tore us apart in Week 16, 
that's not going to happen the same way that it did in Week 16 in this playoff game because Adoree Jackson is going to be out there. And again, I've said this a few times on the show, the number one thing that Adoree Jackson provides to this defense is the ability to play press man, to jam a receiver at the line of scrimmage. You don't want quick routes. You don't want quick release, and he's instantly open. Justin Jefferson, best release in football. He's going to get open within the first two seconds of the play unless you have a really quality press man corner who jams him at the line of scrimmage. Those quick releases, that allows Kirk Cousins to get the ball out of his hands quickly, and that mitigates the pass rushing impacts from the New York Giants. But if that receiver is jammed at the line of scrimmage, he can't get that ball out as quickly. That's an extra second or two for Kayvon Thibodeau, Zizo Jalari, Dexter Lawrence, the rest of these guys to get home, pressure Kirk Cousins, and make the sack. So it's a huge impact having Adore Jackson back in the lineup, not only covering Justin Jefferson, but also just creating a little bit extra time for the pass rush to get home. So I think that having Adore Jackson back in the lineup really might be the difference between Week 16 loss and a wild card win. Yeah, so, you know, I think the Vikings actually may be the most overrated team in the postseason right now. Um, you know, I, I, I honestly, like, the Giants may be, like, I don't even think they're overrated. I think people know that they're, they're thin at positions. They're kind of weak at some spots, but they play with a lot of heart and good coaching. The Vikings actually are the most overrated team. Why, you might ask? They have 13 wins this season. Now, Anthony, can you guess what their point differential is this year? This is crazy. 13 freaking wins. I think it's even, isn't it? No, well... It's just about even. It's negative three. They have wow. they have scored three less points than they've given up, and they have 13 wins. I mean, I don't even know how that's remotely – it must have gotten blown out against them. I think the Cowboys crushed them like 40-3, to three, so that definitely made it a little bit lopsided. And if, if I'm not mistaken, every single win was a one-possession game. I believe that every single one of their wins was in one possession. Of course, you know that big comeback, historic comeback that they had against the Indianapolis Colts. There's no way they should have even been down by that much, but they ended up winning on a field goal. They beat the Giants on a field goal. And I'm pretty sure that all 13 of those wins, now correct me if I'm wrong, but it's at least 10 to 11 of them, but I think all 13 were one-possession victories by the Minnesota Vikings. So this is a team that goes down to the wire every single game. The Giants are going to be hopefully in a close game. This can't be the week that the, that the Vikings finally get a big win or whatever the case might be. But I really think that this is going to be a tight game down to the wire. And I like the way that the Giants have closed a lot of their games this season. And I think that one to two different plays, right? We saw in, in the last matchup between the Giants and the Vikings, Dory Jackson wasn't on the field. You had a big play to Justin Jefferson down the stretch. That might have been the difference between winning and losing for the New York Giants. So keep that in mind. One to two players can really make that big of an impact. And with every game coming down to the wire, ultimately boiling down to one to two to just a handful of plays for the Vikings, we might have the players in the lineup to get those one to two plays to go our way this time around. So it's going to be a close game. It's going to be tight. But those players in the secondary mm -hmm. are going to make a big impact. No, you're right. I mean, there was a couple of plays that really kind of stood out to me. The, the TJ Hawkinson, Randy Mossing of... Darnay Holmes or Nick McLeod like that play should not happen you should not get mossed by one person when there's two defenders there you know what I mean um hopefully that doesn't happen again <laughs> there was also a wide open touchdown I think to Hawkinson earlier in the game or was it, it was somebody maybe it was Hawkinson uh it was Hawkinson yeah he was wide open like just coverage bust you can't have that in the postseason but negative three point differential guys they have the third worst defense in football when it comes to points per game allowed they've given up 25.1 points per game there's only two teams that have given up more the Cardinals and the Bears so Minnesota's defense is one of the worst the Giants are middle of the pack giving up 21.8 points per game um theoretically speaking if you're talking about the law of averages 
Minnesota should score about that much, right? They should score around 22 points. The Giants should be able to beat them um, around that range. Now, 27 points is pushing it. The Giants don't have an extremely potent offense. Yes, it's been getting better, but I'd rather keep this a low-scoring game and let the Giants win this one, um, you know, just by scoring 24-plus and that being enough. You know, this defense has got to step up. But like we said, some big secondary pieces getting back into the mix. Now, against the ground, um, let's see where the Vikings kind of rank out. So the Giants actually are giving up 144.2 uh, per game on the ground. The Vikings, 123.1. So they are in the bottom half of the league when it comes to stopping the running game. Um, obviously, that kind of is the Giants' strength. I think that using Daniel Jones with his legs and doing what they did um, against the Colts may be advisable. I think that might be a, a good strategy for them. Against the pass, they're the second worst team in yards per game against the pass. 265.6 yards per game um, they're allowing in the receiving end. So if the Giants really want to attack them through the air this is the team to do it against you know Patrick Peterson's a little bit older had that interception last time I think they're going to realize okay this is what we did wrong Isaiah Hodgins you know maybe didn't use his body correctly maybe it was a bad throw by Daniel Jones maybe it was just a multitude of different variables that played a part in that but ultimately like this this pass defense is really bad and when you look at the opposite side of the football you know the Giants defense against a a offensive line I'm pretty sure the right tackle is done for the year I'm pretty sure both of their tackles are actually injured so this is a perfect situation for the Giants to really extrapolate on their pass rush, use guys like Xavier McKinney to blitz um, from the line of scrimmage. You know, use them aggressively. Um, and having Adoree Jackson in coverage is going to be so much better if he is able to go, which I think he will be, because the guy's only given up 33.8 yards per game this year. He played 10 games, 33.8 yards per game. That's unbelievable. He was our CB1, and it wasn't even close. You know, Fabian Moreau, any of those guys, don't even closely compare to Adoree Jackson. Having him against Justin Jefferson would be everything. It would be massive. Now, he has given up two touchdowns this year, once against Dallas, and then one against Seattle, but against Seattle, he actually was phenomenal. Um, he gave up what 64 yards on seven on, on 10 targets with seven receptions. So he's only given up 9.1 yards per reception in that game. He was pretty good in coverage, had a couple pass breakups. Um, he was actually doing really well down the stretch. He had five pass breakups in the last three games. He was really, really stepping up, and they were targeting him a, a ton. He was targeted 28 times in his last three games before the injury. Um, so, like, teams were trying to pick on him, and, and those were teams that have. Um, you know, some of them have top receivers, like not really even Jacksonville. You're looking at what, uh, uh, I don't know, Christian Kirk is his number as the number one there. Seattle, they got DK Metcalf, so obviously he's a prominent figure. And then Houston has Brandon Cooks, but, you know, they don't really throw the ball that much. He only gave up four receptions on 10 targets with two pass breakups and 33 yards against Houston. So you're looking at a player who really stepped up this year and took over that CB1 role pretty, pretty easily and pretty nifty. Um, but I'll tell you what, I think that having Adore Jackson as that CB1, having him available opens up the secondary for a lot more. It opens up the blitz packages that Wink Martindale loves to run. Um, so, you know, if you have a guy that can play man coverage like a Dory on Justin Jefferson, have a little bit of safety help over the top, you know, you can trust Fabian Moreau against Adam Thielen. You can lock down um, guys like TJ Hawkinson, just have a cornerback on him. They don't really have that many other receivers are gonna be, uh, they're going to beat you. Uh, by the way, I would not be surprised to see more Gerard Davis, that linebacker we got off the Detroit Lions practice squad. He was really he looked really good against the Eagles. Um, so keep an eye on him. He could have some opportunities during the postseason. But, you know, this team is going to be blitzing more. You're going to see guys like Julian Love, Xavier McKinney. Um, we saw Jason Pinnock. I know he left with the injury in the, against the Eagles, but maybe he'll be available. Um, a lot of these guys, Darnay Holmes, like so many of them blitz a lot. The linebackers. So I would not be surprised if the secondary gets a lot of pieces back with Adoree and Xavier McKinney. The blitz packages increase with it. And like you said before, putting pressure on Kirk Cousins is the is the equation to beat the Minnesota Vikings, making him turn the ball over. So, Anthony, when you're looking at the impact that Adoree Jackson and Xavier McKinney have on the pass rush, what do you expect from Wink Martindale and his aggressiveness? 
So I want to call back to a specific play that I have in mind, and this is the play that really helps me realize what the Giants were missing defensively. If you remember the first matchup with the Philadelphia Eagles, the home matchup, the Giants got blown out. It was ugly, but early in the game, the Giants were competing. They really, it really got out of hand on this specific play. Fourth and two, Jalen Hurts throws downfield off of a blitz. If you remember this, I think this was the first or second quarter. There was a blitz that the Giants ran, and it was one-on-one -on -one coverage on the outside for Devontae Smith. I believe it was Devontae Smith, completely torched Darnay Holmes. Darnay Holmes was on the, on the ground within the first second of the play. Devontae Smith catches it, takes it to the house on fourth and two. That was a game-changing play because if the Giants make the stop on that play, they have a chance to maybe rally and make it a competitive game. But that really took the top off the game, and that's where the Viking or the Eagles rather caught all their momentum and started to blow out the Giants. But that fourth and two play really opened my eyes because what happened there, the Giants had a single high safety, and they had an outside cornerback pressing in man coverage on the receiver. Now, Darnay Holmes tried to jam the receiver at the line of scrimmage, and basically ate crap on the floor in a second. He was down for the count immediately. And then it was just, it's the play where Julian Love mistimed that jump. He missed it. And then Devontae Smith scored a touchdown, if you remember. So on that play, though, go back and watch it. The Giants were really close to getting a sack. They sent the house. They blitzed. They, they forced an almost errant throw out of Jalen Hurts, but he threw it perfectly. Devontae Smith caught it. But imagine this. The pass rush was getting home. It was very close. But Darnay Holmes was beaten within the first second of the play. So now imagine a Dory Jackson is out there, and he's lined up on Devontae Smith. And he jams Devontae Smith for just that extra second. Well, then you're talking about Jalen Hurts throwing the ball while being hit, and you're talking about it maybe not being as accurate, and you're talking about Julian Love probably getting that interception that he was so close to getting. That's the difference there, that one second. So I've been alluding to this this whole time, just mentioning how that one second of jamming someone at the line of scrimmage can be so important. That's the play that I think of because Darnay Holmes, yeah, I like the guy. I think that he's a good player. I don't think he's a great player, and he's definitely not a starting boundary cornerback. I like him better in the slot, and that's exactly why because he's not the guy who's going to walk up to Devontae Smith or any wide receiver that plays on the outside, for that matter, jam them at the line of scrimmage and hold them up for the first two seconds of the play. But Adoree Jackson is. He will jam a lot. He will jam a wide receiver at the line of scrimmage, and he will create an opportunity for the pass rush to pressure uh, the quarterback, whether that be Jalen Hurts or Kirk Cousins, force that throw to just be a little bit off and give either Xavier McKinney or Julian Love the opportunity to go pick it. Another thing to note on that play, it was Julian Love who almost had the interception but just barely missed it. He missed the ball. He just looked at it weird. He didn't have good control over himself there. Xavier McKinney wasn't in the lineup. Now, what if Xavier McKinney was in the lineup? Adore Jackson jams him at the line of scrimmage, and then you have Xavier McKinney over top. Again, that extra second lets a pass rush gets home. Jalen Hurts throws a wobbly ball. Xavier McKinney picks it off. So that's the difference. That is the one play that I look at from the Giants season, the stretch without Xavier McKinney and Adore Jackson on the field that tells me this is a different team with those two players on the field. So when we look ahead to this Minnesota wildcard game, we're talking about Justin Jefferson on the outside. We're talking about a big blitz from Wink Martindale. And that extra second of a Dory Jackson being jammed at the line of scrimmage, that lets Kayvon Thibodeau, that lets Julian Love on the blitz, that lets Dexter Lawrence, whoever it is, get home, make the pressure or the sack, and hopefully force an errant throw out of Kirk Cousins. I think that makes all of the difference in the world. And again, you also have Xavier McKinney ball hawking over the top rather than Julian Love. And I trust Xavier McKinney to get his hands on the ball more often because career high from uh, interceptions from Julian Love, one. How about uh, Xavier McKinney he had five last year? He knows how to get his hands on the ball. He's a playmaker. So that's a big difference. You have a Dory Jackson jamming those wide receivers, that throw over the top. Xavier McKinney goes up there. He picks that off. Yeah, I'd be willing to bet my money that if the Giants put enough pressure on Kirk Cousins, he's going to float one. You know, he tends to make drastic 
risks like that. He met, he tends to when, when he's there's pressure coming, he'll look up, he'll spot someone that's relatively open and just freaking throw it and just hope for the best. He sailed a couple of those passes against us, and we didn't even have our top guys. Um, and and, and I, I think a couple of them like what just were over our, our safety bit down a little bit too much and went over their head. Um, there was a couple that went that were too far in front of Justin Jefferson too. If he misses a couple of those throws, we can turn that ball over. We can get some good field position out of those. So we got to take advantage of that. Um, but guys, I'd love to hear your perspectives below in the YouTube comments. This is definitely an exciting week for us. We're going to have plenty of content out for you guys that are really getting ready for this wild card game. So keep um, a lookout for that on the daily. Um, hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your day. Make sure to like and subscribe as always. I'll catch you guys on the next Fireside Giants episode. Mm-hmm.